This is Purple Radio On Demand. Hello and welcome to Who Stop Podcasts. I'm Freya and I'm here with Ollie. Hello. Joseph. Good evening. And Jeff. Morning! <laughs> and that's all of our listeners deafened. We don't have to say anything now. Oh yeah, um, I mean at least it's not the absolute mess that was the five minutes before starting this recording. Uh, no comment. It was entirely my fault, actually. But <laughs> It was, yes. You're yeah. correct. We actually did it this time. Hooray! Oh. It only took us about five attempts to actually start this. We are a very professional podcast, really. Oh, absolutely. Jinx! <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> uh-huh. I was like the twins from The Shining. Oh, no. Well, talking of creepy things, should we start? Yes. yes. So we are discussing... What are we talking about that's creepy? I don't get it. <laughs> Save it for the discussion. Yeah, nah. <laughs> but yeah, this week we're talking about Village of the Angels... So, spoiler warning. Yes, big spo- spoiler warning. For all of Flux, for this episode, and for the cliffhanger, and for next week's episode. Uh, and from having listened like to previous well. podcasts, possibly spoilers for any of Doctor Who. To be oh, yeah. Absolutely. oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. No, we will absolutely talk yeah, about yeah. previous Weeping Angel episodes. Because yeah. I, I, I have a feeling there will be some ranting going on about certain ones. Mm. Undoubtedly. Agreed. Uh, and also, I mean, when I say spoilers for next week, we mean specifically the spoilers for the next time segment, which <laughs> yes. if any of you yes, have, yes, yes. I mean, like like me, prefer to not watch those, you made a mistake in going into the Hoosuck chat. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it was also all over the internet because everyone's very excited yes this yeah, is true but still um i'm so excited so, oh, I, oh, right. you should have seen my reaction oh it was but incredible. we'll get there Freya, yes. Episode synopsis. yes again utmost professionality if that's a word is that a word professionality is probably a word huh it is now cool mm. um so basically the the, the fam, i'm gonna use it the fam <laughs> Ends up in fairly creepy village in somewhere in Devon, where everyone's disappearing. Did, oh right, they did establish it was in Devon. Though. They did. That, yeah, I recognise that because you know. It was. It was just kind of a, a village, I guess. Yeah, and professors doing some shady stuff. And there were weeping angels. I was going to say there's one too many graves in the graveyard, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's the adds as. Hinted in the title, there are in fact weeping angels. Um, just on the topic of one too many graves in the graveyard, how was it that the last grave the guy found was the weeping angel? Because he wasn't used to seeing that grave. Yeah, but, the because there graves. wouldn't be graves Surely... missing in the end, of, in the middle of the row. Yeah, but no, but you, the weeping angel. Why is it just like hanging out like at the end? Surely, if you're going around counting all the graves, you know, maybe just maybe if it was like in just in the graveyard, you'd count it as like. That's unusual, but this is only grave 43. And then you'd have, like, 93, and then behind the guy you'd see the weeping angel, and, like... Surely you'd notice, like, in a graveyard of very small graves, surely you'd notice, like, a big one. Oh, see, he this knows the exact big number one. of graves in there, but doesn't realise there's suddenly a brand new angel statue. Well, in fairness, that seemed to be a problem in the actual episode as well, because he was like... That's a weird thing that's there. This is the weird 93rd grave. Uh, and then it's like... not a grave. Yeah, he, he just looks at it very confused for a moment, and then he blinks, and then oof. Uh, <laughs> which is generally the story of every side character in this episode. Uh, and by much. side character, I'm including Daz and Yan. Daz and Yan. 
Okay, that's brilliant. No, no. we're just going to have to roll with that one. Oh, because no. Yet they are so forgettable. They are so interchangeable. <laughs> yeah. What have I done? You can do that. It's fine. <laughs> what have I done? Uh, made a good point about Chisnell's writing. Yeah, no. <laughs> anyway, with Daz and Jen, um, you know, they were basically side characters in this episode. Uh, once again... Hardly in it, but actually, I don't care. Once again... <laughs> Dan has only had six to eight minutes of screen time with the Doctor in over half of his season. Eight minutes of screen time with the Doctor. That's like, two minutes an episode. It's yeah. Like, it, it's sort of by nature the design of the series. Mm. But also it is bad it's design. so annoying. It is bad design but of yeah, the series. Yeah, they, they, they should have kept either had it just Yaz or like, and just not brought in a new companion at all because just by the way the series is set up, you can't really have... Mm. Would it have made a massive difference to have removed, for example, the modern-day Liverpool subplot from... uh, If you were cutting down... Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Or, I mean, you know, I was going to say you have Yaz, Gareth, and do the, the temple thing, but honestly, you could just have Vinda do that. You don't even need Yaz there. Uh, oh, and then you're just introducing a cool new character that doesn't necessarily need to have screen time with the Doctor, because he's his own entity. Yeah, Vinder is Vinder is his own dude. Like, Vinder almost has more screen time with the Doctor in, like, just over the course of, like, like he doesn't at all. And I was going to say, no that is not the doctor. True, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, like, Given the relative amounts of screen time that Vinda and Dan have had compared to other companions, it makes sense that Vinda leaves the TARDIS and it doesn't make sense that Dan is just like, yeah, I'm involved now. Um, and given that we're going to get a new showrunner next series, there's a good chance Dan might not even stay. So he might just be in six Doctor episodes in total and then go. He'll probably be in maybe the three specials. Uh, yeah. I think actually... Episodes. I think, oh, I guess... Spoilers, without any of the major spoilers for that, but I believe John Lewis isn't even actually in at least one John of those. Lewis, that's <laughs> you have managed to mix John Bishop and Dan Lewis. <laughs> da- sorry, Dan Bishop. John Lewis, they're the ones who do the Christmas adverts. <laughs> Okay, it is evident I should not be podcast. And I'm the one that didn't sleep until like six in the morning last night. Wow. Oh no, this is a mess. Oh no. Anyway. Yeah, talking of different characters. Yeah, we haven't even started the episode proper yet and I'm already broken. Can we talk about Claire for a bit? Because I like her. Yes, let's do Sure, we can talk about Claire. Yeah, I actually think that she's a fairly interesting character. And I, I like the idea of her being a seer, actually. I know that some people don't, because they're like, oh, well, that's the thing now, I guess, that we haven't really established. But I'm like, that's kind of groovy. I mean, we've seen things like that in Doctor Who. Mm. Like in the David Tennant special, uh, Planet of the Dead, there was that yeah. woman who was sort of... Carmen was a seer, yeah. Um, that have I been... completely forgot about yeah. that, because I really don't care about that episode. Oh, I love that episode <laughs> I love too much. I love that episode too much, because people will tell me it's objectively bad and nothing happens. And like, on one hand, absolutely fair. But on the other hand, Lady Christina is hot, so I'm not... I'm not... Oh, no, I don't care <laughs> that. Like, I'll listen to her <laughs> Yeah, anyway... Um, Okay, stop thirsty. Actually, no, because Claire's kind of hot anyway. I like her outfit. I want to know where she got her outfit from. Once again, right. the costuming in this series is brilliant. Mm. Mm-hmm. Fair. Uh, so, mm-hmm, me. 
see with Claire, I'd like to have seen her fleshed out more as a character. Yeah. Because yeah. she's very yeah, much just a vehicle for the weeping angel. Yeah, yeah. for actually and we're going to use like the, the term they used like twice in the episode and probably some of the marketing. We're gonna call if we're referring to the specific weeping angel, we're gonna call it the rogue angel. Mm. Indeed. Like um yeah. but yeah, no, I was gonna agree <laughs> with Joseph B that Claire is not developed very much as a character which frustrates me a bit her appearance in episode one is very incongruous because it's really difficult actually to shift her dialogue around to her being like a seer rather than someone who was already sent back in time like her dialogue is so natural for someone who was sent back in time but makes absolutely no sense, in my opinion, looking at it from the perspective. If she's a seer and she has seen a lot of visions before, then she's going to be used to people that she recognises not recognising her. Oh, I true, disagree, <clears throat> because I believe I said at the time, after episode one, she doesn't sound like she's been sent back in time. She sounds mm. like she isn't quite sure about what she knows. Yeah. So actually, the explanation of Sia makes a lot of sense. I thought it was a nice like way of sub subverting uh, your expectations. Just... <laughs> Thank you. I'm good at that. Uh, I mean, I'd have to check over the dialogue again from episode one, which, uh, I don't know, I'm not going to do now, or maybe <laughs> not for a while, anyway. Um, just, But, you know, it didn't compel me there and uh in fairness it didn't compel me with character here so claire was dreadfully and woefully in a way underutilized uh which makes sense given they still split the plot in every episode they've done so far they've split it with such a major a b sometimes even a c plot divide it's not a good thing in my opinion all the time it's, it's not but i did like her scenes with the mm. professor oh the professor though was wonderful and he's very good yeah oh yeah let's talk about jericho yes uh i really liked him i thought like his sort of scientific mindset i don't know mm. it was just it was interesting i mean as a like there was a natural incongruity is that a word it's just as much of a word as professionality is i was gonna uh, say it is now uh, you know, there was a natural, like, dissonance between, that's actually a word, uh, <laughs> well uh, between his scientific nature and his trying to study psychics nature, which is like an inherently unscientific thing in a way. Uh, but I thought that was really interesting because, I mean, A, you also had the angel that stole his voice, which I didn't actually even recognise as the same actor until he pointed it out, can you Me not either. use my voice? Uh, that uh, was so good. I didn't realise it was him until he said it either. And mm. I was like, that's really good. Also, we were discussing this after the episode, but there is a revelation that you don't realise during that scene, which makes it even creepier. So, the ability of the angels to use people's voices is established in... Time of the Angels, Flash of the Angels. But it's established the only way they can do it is to use their corpses, which really annoyed me, because clearly this man is not dead, and so it doesn't oh. make sense. Oh, I then see where you're going. Then he's sent with back this. to 1901. Oh, which means somewhere there is Jericho's corpse. So the angel is using Jericho's own corpse to talk to him with but his but own he voice, doesn't know that. and he doesn't know it. <laughs> you know, I don't know if Chibnall did that on purpose, but I do not think Chibnall did that on purpose. I don't think he did do it on purpose. 
but it's an incredible it's so accidental though. piece of writing. I agree. That's fair. But uh, then that happens sometimes. Like, even the best writers sometimes mm. have good accidental things. That the Dr. Donna was accidental. <laughs> exactly. What now? The Dr. Donna? Really? Oh, with the with the oud. Yeah, that was accidental. That was accidental. <gasps> <gasps> I'm, right, I'm going to be thinking about this all day. Did you not know that? No, I didn't. Oh, wow. Okay. I need to listen to more <laughs> interviews. In, in the episode, the Doctor says the Doctor Donna like the youth said. Or did they just put that in the script? That episode was added in the script thing. later, yes. Oh, right. Um No, that. That there's like a lot of that. It might have not even been added in the script. It might have been in ADR, but you know... Uh, uh, additional dialogue recorded. I for think people. we can see them when they say it. So I think then it might have been just yeah, or it would be a slight reshoot uh, where they just got a close also up. Possible, yes. uh, either way is possible. Um, but yeah, all right. Yeah, uh, talking about how the angels uh, were working this episode, or just angels. Hello, just there were angels, angels in general. Yes, they're back and they're good. They are good. They're this really good. good. They were. Better than they've been in any episode since Blink, in my opinion. Uh, they yeah, weren't I, like I like incredible, them because but... they always have Reverend, but yeah, you're kind of right. I mean, as, in terms of like how they've been utilized, mm. the angels themselves, yeah, no, because I think they're Angels kind of Take Manhattan, yeah, Angels Take Manhattan was a better episode for the emotional uh, journey of Amy and Rory leaving. That being said, in terms of how I used the angels, this episode was better, uh, though I think. Uh, part of that was slightly undermined for me, but I know they had to do it anyway. By the the angels are working for the division. Um, like, like it, it makes the division feel really powerful, though. Me. It does. It adds to the power of the division, but it also slightly takes away from the angels. I do mm. agree. I think yeah. that's what I meant. They should sort of be their own entity. They're called the lonely assassins for a reason. Like, well, they the don't reason like being with each other. That's because if they look at each yeah, other, yeah. they yeah, they blind. Of so yeah. by nature, they have to be alone. And the fact that they're all together and working for the division, mm. I mean, yeah, yeah, increases their power. Also, but also it takes away from every scene I ever see with a bunch of angels like all next to each other like surrounding someone and not covering their eyes I swear every time I think all those angels are now frozen because <laughs> they are looking at each other Although what I, idiots <laughs> I did notice that I have noticed I did that did happen a lot in like the time of angels and angels mm. in Manhattan I noticed in this episode they were almost always covering their eyes Mm, they were. I did like that. They sort of fixed that problem. But even when they don't, I suspend my disbelief because the shots with that many of them in one place are just so cool. <laughs> so I, it's one thing that I will forgive because I'm like. Besides, crazy. as long as there's one angel in the back, you know, maybe they, that angel can just turn around quickly and the others can start turning, like, and then you can start to just I was shuffle around. Most of the time when they weren't covering their eyes, they were in a semicircle, yeah. which still works. Yeah, which yeah. because there's one in the back who can, like, all right, I'm the angel in charge now. Are you all frozen? <laughs> <laughs> maybe they don't have much peripheral vision. Maybe. I'm assuming they don't. They, they are kind of stones. Mm. Unless they do turn their heads strangely. Mm. So like they don't. So I can kind of. Uh, oh, actually, the, this is my understand this because we're in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at Ollie next to me. Um, yeah. I could kind of see him currently. All right. Yeah. But then I, I have to. Yeah, they turn. So. Why are we discussing angels' peripheral vision? Well, I mean, that's <laughs> a good. Well, we're talking about angels, but like on the topic of angels, though, you know, you've got. Uh, specifically the images of angels. It's a repeated theme so much throughout the episode. I think it was used 
a lot better than it was in Time of the Angels Flesh and Stone. I'm so that glad they brought that back because I've, it felt like it popped up in one episode and then it was never mentioned before or since. I'm glad they're using it again. I disliked the way they used it in the first episode. I liked the way they used it here, yeah. though I'd note, I feel like sometimes it was a little unclear, though I think this is my interpretation anyway, that an angel doesn't spawn out of an image, but an angel can move through an image. And I like that because they're kind of these innately quantum beings anyway, you know, an image of a specific angel, an angel can just go through it. And I like that more than I like an image becomes an angel. Otherwise, yeah. the angel homeworld just is a bunch of artist angels. Just like these are how they reproduce. <laughs> yeah. Like I am Angel Picasso, and that's why you get those angels that look like they have two heads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I really like the way it's used because, uh, like, like what you said, I, when it first turned out, it, like it wasn't used that well, and. Mm. Um, I think it's used better here. I'm glad mm. they brought it back. They didn't ignore it because otherwise it would have been a gimmick that was done once and then just. Discarded. It was still a gimmick. It was. It, it, it was for sure. But, but this I mean, time, guess the angel's this whole deal is to be frightening. I mean, that bit with the with the piece of paper and then burning it and the angel is on fire. Yeah. That is just one of the coolest sweeping angel shots I've ever seen. I loved that. I loved it as well, though. I think a lot of people thought. The way the paper came back together was a little bold. <laughs> I wasn't convinced by that. And no, I feel like if maybe... if was the fire angel yeah, shot, I don't yeah. care. Maybe, you know, they could have just had the paper be stuffed in the desk or something, and the Doctor only realises after it starts to spawn the angel and throws it directly in the fire, uh, and that still gives the fire angel shot, but without the, the exactly, paper coming yeah, back together. Because it wasn't necessary to rip it up and put it I back I think together. it was quite comedic, because he was just confused, like, why are you ripping up this one image of some my pa something my patient's drawn? Well, <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, I do like the ripping up, because then it indicates to the audience that might have forgotten the mm. image of an angel thing. That is true. That, it, that, is, that does hold for drawings, as well as, like, actual... Um, pictures on phones, like physical like pictures of them. Yeah. That that draw uh, well. Though I'd also note that ripping it up evidently seems to not work at all because the angels <laughs> can put it back together. Um Yeah, but she true. might not have known that. That's true. Uh angels just I mean she didn't know an image I mean in uh like Matt Smith's episode he didn't know an an image could become an angel until he read it in the book. Uh that's true. Uh though I guess you know, I mean it raises those questions about when Sally gave the doctor that that piece of paper um, with um, the blink, the file at the end of blink, it had some pictures of angels in it. That's mostly why I didn't like it. So that raises the question, where did the angel that sent the doctor back in time come from? <laughs> oh. 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 Sally, why? Why did you do <laughs> this, Sally? More, more brilliant accident. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, perhaps. Who knows? Excellent. All right. Uh, but yeah, no. Well, also, most of them are frozen in the picture after mm. she gives it to them because um, they're actually in the basement frozen. So they oh, can't yeah. move through the image. Well, they're, they're, they're in the basement frozen until the power runs out. And then it goes dark and then they can't see each other anymore. And then they can move again. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> I, like they never, they never brought this up. They say, "Oh, they're defeated forever," but no. The, 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 when the lights go out, they can't see each other again. Well, actually, yeah. no, no, they can see in the dark because they turn out the lights on purpose to attack people. But maybe they can like have other senses other than sight because they seem to be able to move with their hands over their eyes just fine. So they probably have other really powerful senses, mm. especially yeah. if they don't have peripheral vision. Yes. Uh, 
it's possible anyway. Uh, but also, another part that was repeated from Time of the Angels, Flesh and Stone, because a lot was stolen from that episode, and I didn't really like that episode. That much. was my first Angel episode, so that episode sticks in my mind as terrifying. Fair. That's fair. Uh, but they also stole, obviously, the bit where uh, both Claire and Amy had an angel in their minds. I'm going to say I preferred Claire. Yeah. To yes. Amy. yes. Because Claire's made sense. She's a seer, she's psychic, an angel in got in and inhabited inside her mind. Amy's and it was for a purpose. It yeah. wasn't just as again, as a gimmick to freak people out. It yeah. Was, like, Amy's for a reason. sort of like didn't do much no, I mean, like there were some moments of dramatic angst, but if an image of an angel on someone's retina can become an angel then that's just making them like, oh, you can't look at them, but you can't not look at them. And oh, it's just, you know, it's but not I really still great. don't like it. They, I didn't they... like it at all. No, it's, it's actually a good scary scene, but that's all it is. Yeah. And it mm. ruins them. But yeah. I, I think the fact that they specifically said you have to look into their eyes for that to happen makes yeah. that a bit less powerful, especially because they're usually covering their eyes. Uh, mm, not really. Actually, I, also, I that's like so way... unclear anyway, and why is it only their eyes? And it's, I, I hate it. I just prefer <laughs> us, but a psychic seeing an image of an angel in their mind with like an innate, you know, psychic power can pop the angel in there that makes a lot more sense i also like the fact that it was used for communication because mm. one thing that mm. makes the angels creepier is when they use other things as vessels to communicate we've mm. already talked about like the use of jericho's voice yeah which i just loved it was so creepy i love using that your voice. own voice back at you yeah. in order to specifically mm. to freak you out yeah. plus the accidental writing and the yeah. horrible revelation and also you, just, you know plus just how good the, the dialogue was like, yeah the, the angel dialogue was on point. Really creepy. I, Thank I you, Maxine Alderton. I was going to say, the angel dialogue was not written by Chibnall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why I said, yeah, thank you, Maxine Alderton. But also, uh, yeah, they, so... Angel held, Rogue Angel held on to Claire, so it was using her live body to communicate and her mental body to communicate, well, not her corpse. Well, well, that, that confrontation took place... Like oh, within in, her mind, so it was true. just a representation of herself, like a representation yeah. of the fact that the angel is using her mind, true. her voice, because the angel wouldn't have any voice even in the inner world. Oh, that's true. Also, um, you know, the, the angel wouldn't the angel normally could project, project thoughts, but you can't do like, that. Like, I mean, we, like, without writing it down, we note that the angels seem to like they've been established a quantum lock. They turn to stone whenever anything or anyone is observing them. The question becomes, what do they actually look like when they are? But, I mean, they don't look like anything. They're not being observed on one hand. But they definitely don't look like those statues. I, like, I personally hypothesize they look. They don't look like statues at all. They look like something almost... Maybe they have the same rough body shape and they turn into stone, but they're not statues. That's why I so dislike the scene in Flesh and Stone when mm -hmm. we actually see them move. It just takes away the... It takes the away. Angels. Also, I mean, Blink's directing was perfect because, you know the audience looking at the angels counted as someone as well. Uh, yeah, I, I think they should always be done like that because mm, otherwise yeah. it ruins the immersion for the audience. Yeah. Because especially with the image of an angel thing, you need to be scared that it might jump out of your TV. Yeah. yeah. That, if, if you're going to use that concept, you have to push it all the way to its limit. Yeah. Otherwise it loses everything. Yeah. But no, I loved that. I loved the scene in Claire's mind. Uh, I am... And speaking of that scene and images of an angel, 
the recording machine drawing an image of an angel, an awesome sequence, and then nothing came of it. It's That's true. I was disappointed that wasn't I used. I was so disappointed that wasn't used. I mean, the end of the episode was pretty fast-paced, so I just forgot about it. Yeah, but it, uh, it frustrated me a lot. And maybe there was attempts at, like, foreshadowing the rogue angel is leaving her mind. And then, like, because you see the rogue angel at the end of the episode anyway. But that never really came across. I, I feel like it was um, a representation of the rogue angel for sure. Which would make sense because the rogue angel had a reason to stick in Claire's mind and not come out through that. Well, no, but the, the only thing that could, the only angel that could have done it is the rogue angel. Well, yeah, the only angel that could. I agree with that. But the rogue angel did leave her mind by the end of the episode, and it was going to betray them to the other angels anyway to sell out the Doctor, which raises the question: the moment it realized, why didn't we see the rogue angel leave? Like, maybe well, there was something cut. I didn't think Possibly. it did leave because she was saying well, no, the angel says blah blah blah. Like, the angel was, was behind her and holding onto her. It, yeah, it had it the crack on its head. Yeah. It oh, had yeah. the crack. The, the the crack that means it's the rogue angel. Oh. I like the concept of an angel going rogue. I mean, I like the idea I like the angels they have some they definitely are intelligent is the thing. You can always see that. But most of the time what they are acting on is a very, very base desire for survival for food. Mm. namely by eating people's time energy by yeeting them back into the past uh which is the scientific term for it of course of course yeah uh, so well, you know yes i will have yeeted uh, <laughs> but no um here it was the angels are acting under orders from the division which is unusual weird, and it certainly does in one way make the Division seem more powerful. Even if the Doctor had previously stated in Episode 1, Carvanista was the last living member of the Division, which... No. She says he's the only member she can track down. I thought she said last living. That she can track down. I mean, she evidently uh, doesn't know a lot about quite the Division. This is so true. Same. This is true, but the way they established that, I kind of infer. Maybe I inferred correctly, or maybe Chibnall made some alterations to the plans later. <laughs> um, you know, uh, the implication I got was that the division was an organization that was mostly gone at this point. Uh, but then again, that can't exactly be true because I guess you see them in episode one guarding Swarm still, or whatever. Indeed. Uh, and then I suppose you see them, but then you see them like in episode 5, but there's a Time Lord there, and you've seen Gallifrey be destroyed, so it's like, this is out of the past. Also, there's a past Doctor there. You know, it is out of the past. It felt like, until this episode, the Division felt like something that was no longer around. And now it's been, it's very, very suddenly clear that it is still around, and it's always been around, and it's everywhere, all the time, and it's... <laughs> it uses everything and everyone. I don't like that. I don't like it that either. It feels too big. Mm, it feels too big as well. And also, the division was barely established in your first two seasons. Like, the only m mentions we got of the division in all of those episodes was, I mean, the Fugitive Doctor, which was the perfect introduction. It didn't really factor into Ascension Timeless Child at all. Hell, it wasn't even mentioned by the Master during the Timeless Child speech much. It was only shown in one of the that weird Irish reincarnation dude who had like um, a note saying, full service is paid to the Division. Uh, and then uh, at the very end, the Jadoon were like, you're being arrested in crimes uh, you committed in the name of the Division. Uh, and um, rather than going like, well, I mean, I guess, you know, 
the, the classic Jadoon, but whatever. And then, you know, in prison in Revolution, and the, the, the Revision is not even mentioned once in Revolution. Neither is the Timeless Child. Revolution could just be... Just I love how you're so impressed that you remember every single one of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Impressive, though. Impressive. <laughs> but yeah, there are so little references that you can just list it. I, I But yeah, I was saying to Joseph before that I do agree with the fact that it feels like the division's getting too big. I mm. like the idea of it being a small, fairly secretive organisation. Yeah. But I suppose you could say that it's on account of the flux, but because, it, what is because the... it's like monsters are kind of scrabbling for control over this world ravaged by mm. the flux. This is true. So it, that makes kind of sense. But, but the Doctor it is... feels like any plot point in the series that you don't have a full explanation to you can kind of go but the flux and i yeah. don't really like the also to do that. as a note the doctor is quantumly extracted from 1967 that is years before the flux over 50 years before the flux, the flux that's does true. all of time though no the flux no it's said it's a spatial event it specifically did a space is specifically a spatial event it couldn't damage time except it could damage the planet time which killed tumori or something and then that sent time into chaos uh so maybe but like but that's indirectly damaging time that's yeah. not the flux itself yeah yeah that's damaging something in space which controls time i guess apparently because time is evil uh apparently <laughs> totally Time is evil. Have I you not seen we'll the a, I think we'll get a better explanation of that because that wasn't really fleshed out. At least I hope. Well, yeah, but we only have. Oh, um, I mean, you know, we're going to just jump into the next thing uh, of the Peggy Yazdan plot. Oh, I said it right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was actually trying to say it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just I tried to say Yad and Daz and I, I got it wrong, wrong. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, uh, that plot line. It did nothing. I was going to say, what did it help? Did it help? No, um, I mean, you had... They just needed something for the companions to do because the Doctor was girl-bossing on her own. Yeah, uh, which has happened in every episode this season so well, far. I actually don't care because the Doctor girl-bossing on her own is like the best thing. I agree, the but then it means... You know, maybe they should just remove the companions. Kill them. Kill them. Like, seriously. <laughs> I want actually, to see all the I'm going to be completely honest in many ways. Would this season have been better if Yaz had left as well at Revolution and this was a solo Doctor series? That would have been incredible. I, I actually, I don't think Tibnall would have had the balls to do it, but I think it would have been wonderful. Mm. Yeah. I, I'd be that sad to miss out on Dan. Yeah, I mean, I think Dan would yeah, still kinda. partially be in it on the virtue of, um, I, d I mean, I think you still need one companion, and I think Dan would be a better fit for it than Yaz, if only because you can start with the Doctor on her own, doing her Carvanista stuff. Carvanista still has to go after someone, there has to be a reason he goes to Earth, and capturing someone, Dan, helps. Uh, you introduce Dan there, you get, and then you do War of the Sun's Harans, but you don't have to have the present-day Liverpool plot. You can either send Dan to Atropos if you want to still do Atropos or whatever, or you can just have Dan hang out with the Doctor in the Crimea too. Or uh, you could just not have him turn up and have him be more like a Vinder kind of character that comes mm, in and out. Yeah. You wouldn't necessarily have to have a solid companion the whole time. Oh, yeah. Just a whole bunch of recurring characters that the Doctor yeah. interacts with. Which would work just as well. Uh, I think that would have been really good. Yeah, but It would have been a bit hard with Dan, because like, Carvinista and Vinder are like sort of space beings, so sort of spaceships and stuff, and they can 
Maybe episode one, Dad goes off with Carvanista, you know? And that would have worked really well. Imagine the spin-off. The adventures of Carvanista and Dan. (laughs) I mean, people certainly like that pairing. Yeah, you know, oh my god. No, no, but the the adventures of Carvanista and Dan, even ignoring that pairing, would be, you know, incredible. You've got Dan, like, just going around doing, like, comments, and Carvanista would be like, Oh, not again. Why are you always getting yourself in danger? I have to save you again. <laughs> uh, and other dog noises. <laughs> that was a dog noise? Various dog noises yeah. that are very much not dog Yeah. Um, I'm they had, didn't turn up again. Yeah, you had Peggy, like who turned out to be the old woman in what was both the most obvious plot twist in the world, like the present-day old woman who knew about angels, which was most the most obvious plot twist in the world, and also one I didn't guess until the start of the scene when I saw her again, and then I was like, oh yeah, okay, it's that one. I, I because, didn't either, because I was too freaked out by everything else. Oh, no, I my, distracted. My issue was is that I did not care about this random old woman who seemed to know something about angels. Uh, I did not care about it at all. Yeah, and because well. of that, I never bothered to think about it. And then when I saw the time breach and her there, I was like, Oh, okay, it's that. And then they went on and drew it out through the dialogue for ages, like, oh, I remember this bit. And I'm like, just, just shut up. <laughs> it was obvious, but I also think it was necessary. I think if you're going to connect the two times, then you need somebody. That I was ag- really cool. In yeah. I agree that it's a good idea to have someone in both of them to help connect the two times, but I feel like the dialogue of the reveal could have been better. Oh, absolutely. The um, way it was done was... It was th- th- and that's was what cold. really frustrates like me. Though, like... Cause, cause the other things that shouldn't have been like as much revelations as that scene i was sat there going wow and then that bit i just went oh yeah i guess so yeah uh you know i mean and oh uh like there's a bunch of i mean like even as there's some lackluster things and then i mean you've also got the fact that in 1901 uh, I mean, A, the angels did it twice. There's no reason explained exactly as to why they removed everything in 1901 other than they wanted to reuse the village sets without getting more extras in just a day. Uh, <laughs> but also, they've moved everything into space and frozen time. So it's like they've moved into space and I'll put it back. Or They didn't really explain that part. Um, but it's 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 quantum extraction, guys. Yeah, can anyone yeah, that understands what the space void is tell me, please? <laughs> yeah, because it looked like they were just, you know, in space, normal space. That yeah. was in- Incredible though, but also, yeah. why didn't they see it earlier? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wondered that. Yeah, it's weird, and but also it was worth it just for the the slow pan around and oh wow, space. Yeah, it was a fun reveal, but it didn't make sense as to why the angels would bother quantumly extracting nineteen oh one as well. Hopefully, yeah. we get an explanation, but I don't think we will. We won't. You know, uh, like, just them doing, like, because it was very clear that what the angels were doing, I mean, like, originally I thought it was a winter qu- case. K Quay? I don't know. Key. 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 Oh, well, I've got it wrong on both counts. <laughs> uh, originally it felt like winter key situation. Okay, the angels are doing the same. They're doing, they're just, you know, munching on people. And then they can't send people back twice in time anyway now, apparently. They just kill them. Well, yeah, Which is honestly, angry, it made, like I did not like that. that yeah, he got sent well, exactly. three it's, times. It's the entire concept yeah. of Angels Take Manhattan is that they're sending them back on a loop. Yeah. Well, it's established that they can do that, so maybe it's just a virtue of this particular situation. But why? Just wanted the... Don't you want to munch more people? I mean, I, the reason they did it is because they wanted to, you know, uh, I guess kill these abusive people, which, fair, they suck. Uh, but also... I feel like the entire 1901 plot in the first place was superfluous. See, for the most part. what I thought they were going to do, which would have been 
a cool concept, whether I would have appreciated it, I don't know. But partway through the episode, I thought they were going to say the angels had learned to send people forwards as well. I and they were bouncing they people anyway. between 1967 and 1901. That would have been intriguing, but I actually would have been more useful for that, like, where if they could send someone forwards in time, then the angels had essentially, what if they'd set up a trap in the future and that's how quantum extraction worked they touched someone and they sent them into this box that they would later make in the future to get you out of there because that would actually be also a really cool concept as well as future bouncing but future be quite easy for an episode <laughs> <laughs> perhaps but also you know the idea of future bouncing as well it's like they send them into the past to eat the time energy so it uses the time energy so we can justify why they don't always do it because it's like it's like the opposite of eating for them. It's like angel poop. Uh... <laughs> no, please, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, though, either way, you're lifting the person out of the life they could have had, and that's the explanation of how they get energy. They're taking the energy from the potential life they could have had. If you send someone to the future, that still happens. So exactly, still you'd think eating. it still produces Maybe. the same form of quantum energy. I don't think, I mean, yeah, but you could just say it wouldn't. Uh, yeah, true. Could, yeah. It was, you the, the entire 1901 way. plot was kind of weird, but you know what was also weird? Angel wings. Claire's angel wings. <laughs> oh, they yeah. were foam. They were so foam. But <laughs> they didn't even, it, did they, it, uh, they didn't even look like she was actually something. wearing them. Like, no, I, and I said something about them being foam and then said, well, I, somebody asked me why I thought that, and I said, because they looked like I could bite them. <laughs> and that's the way you identify foam, obviously. Yes, because you get yeah. urged to oh, The CGI in this episode, outside of uh, the ending, which we still haven't mentioned yet, and we are keeping uh, a surprise, to. but you know, uh, and uh, the angel fire scene, the CGI in this episode was pretty bad. I mean, it's been a pretty bad throughout a lot of Flux so far. The Flux has not had great CGI, to be frank. Uh, which, on one hand, I do not... Like, it's not going to be something I'm going to hold against it. But, you know, it's also just something that's there. Uh, you've got... Just, yeah. And, I mean, it's alright. Uh... I so feel like Doctor Who is largely known for having bad effects, though. This is true. Classic but they, Doctor Who. Yes, classic is, you know, as well. I think the RTD era, it, the RTD era had lots of bad CGI in it. It does, but it, it works. And also there's a difference in... The CGI is worse, in some ways. Because mm. it's fundamental. it looks fundamentally less believable. And even though the RTD CGI wasn't great, A, it was... 15 years ago that that no, started, true. over that. Uh, that is true. Um, and, you know, looking at some of the CGI in the end of the world, for example, I mean, that was the highest budget episode of Doctor Who for a very long time. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, but, like, it's a lot better than what we get here. Uh, I would lot... disagree on that, personally. I mean, like, I'm looking at the examples of the CGI in this episode that were bad. I'm purposely ignoring the ending scene and yeah, uh, the Fire Angel, because... Most of the other effects in this episode were not good. Um, uh, but yeah, that's... I mean, those are my thoughts anyway. So I, I guess if you... I mean, he's like, yeah. I can understand if people do disagree, obviously. I don't know. There was always a level of... I mean, it's not like... It's not like they're Dune special effects, obviously. But nothing in Doctor Who has ever been Dune special effects. I was going to say, the budget required for that would be insane. Literally. I mean, uh, you know, if you have a, a high... A high-budget TV show 
uh, let's say 10 million an episode. Now, this is the from what is probably the highest budget TV show the BBC has ever made, which is a lot more than Doctor Who's budget per episode. Dune is 165 million. That puts this into context where you can't do it. <laughs> you exactly. just can't. Yeah. Um, but that's all right. Uh, ooh, sorry. Uh, I have a frog or an, some, some, there's some, there's some like little grit in my throat. Are you doing okay? There's an angel in my <laughs> throat. An, oh, no. and the, an, an, an image of an angel fell into my throat, guys, help. Um, voice. Also, you had Belle in this episode. Yes. Oh, I love her. Uh, her, her scenes were useless, then. but yeah. I, I love her. So I don't care because she's wonderful and she makes my heart sing. Yeah. <laughs> I also love Belle. The scenes in this episode were not very good for her. So, Azir, she was a girl thing of it, it's, it's alright. It, it, it was useless, is, but it was okay. Azir is kidnapping some people. I mean, we already knew why. what the passenger was, was for. for. I guess we just yeah. see now, oh, they're kidnapping. Like, but I mean, I guess that this feels so like... the next one's called The Survivors of the Flux, so it's probably going to have something to do with the passenger, but then we yeah. didn't figure yeah. that out anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, it still does not raise the question of why are Azure and Swarm not one character? Because they're such a cool well, duo. I no. I, <laughs> see, anyone that says they should be one, I I I disagree. I don't care. I love them both equally. I really like the fact that they're like brother and sister working together. Azure to is handsome Squidward. <laughs> I mean, yes, yes, she does look like that. But like, they just have such cool style, and like, oh, they they have a funky dynamic. I don't like necessarily seeing them by themselves mm. because. Actually, they they should either be one character or always together. They yeah. lose it a bit yes. when they're on their own. So that bit okay. I will concede. Yeah, but I like having two of them. Right, um, that's fair. Because uh, but... they're both so stylish and sassy and cool and uh, double the the cool monster, double the threat. Yeah. But I... I'd therefore like to see them do more, do more together. So not yes, just be in the I same scene. Yeah, I'm hoping both we get be more. involved. Yes, because it yes. normally feels like only one is involved. Normally that is Swarm. This is the first proper Azure focus scene, but also it would be able to reclaim some screen time and some pacing, uh, especially with, for example, in episode one, the Swarm going around and rescuing Azure, which was felt completely like, you know, given how little she has done so far, it feels, I mean, in many ways, yes, but what if Swarm and Azure were literally one character and they were just gender fluid? Wouldn't that be better? I think that's better. Yeah, but... I what think if they were just gender Swarm could already like steal like change bodies a bit, you know? It just feels feels a bit unnecessary for me. Actually, instead of going to rescue Azir at the beginning, they should have just had them both in the prison like bickering with each other the entire time. Mm. That would have been fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alright, and I guess we're now gonna come on to the next thing, which is the division and the cliffhanger. Uh yeah. I mean, we've talked a bit about. Yeah, okay. my mind. We've we're talking. We've talked a bit about the division already. They are, you know, the division. They've existed. They've done divisiony things. Um, not much more than that, to be honest. There is not much more. No. Than I that. want to talk about the fact that the Doctor's an angel. The Doctor is now the a weeping angel. Is a weeping I can't angel. believe the Doctor. <laughs> well, I mean, first of well, all, well, she is an angel, but not like that. Yeah. Which, <laughs> well, first of all, does this or does this not provide evidence for my theory that the Time Lords created the Weeping Angels? It certainly seems to. Mm, it what does. I hope, I love. What I really want 
is I want them to allude to that theory, but not confirm it. Because mm. I think if they confirmed it, it would take away from the mystery of the angels. Mm. Agreed. But oh, I, I absolutely agree. To it is brilliant. Yeah, I wouldn't mind them confirming that the Time Lords made them, but that nobody knows how. Yeah, like it was a secret. That, like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Ah, the issues of live podcasting. I'm allergic to podcasting. Don't sneeze, because you can't see and the angels will get you. <laughs> don't oh, turn no. your back, oh, don't no. look away, and, and don't, don't sneeze. sneeze. <laughs> yeah. mm. no. But if it was like something that one person or a small group <laughs> had done, and the secret was then lost, so nobody knows what they are or how they mm. work, they only know that somebody made yeah. them. I mean, I actually, you know, in one sense, the angels, if the division was a Time Lord agency, which is it? I mean, I thought it was when it was first introduced. I was going to say, I don't know anymore. I yeah. thought it was. Yeah. yeah I, I thought it was just, you know, Chimnall's equivalent of the CIA. Uh, that's the Celestial Intervention Agency. We're not referencing any real-world organisations here. And neither has any works with the CIA had any form of real-world political opinions ever. <laughs> not at all. Um, but, you know... Also, I because we it... mentioned the CIA, obligatory to mention my favourite coordinator, Narvin. <laughs> Are you saying that I'm not your favourite coordinator? <gasps> oh no! How dare you? <laughs> okay, so How I've got to run you? after this before I get beaten up. <laughs> Freya, just grab a rock. Oh, yeah, no, I could do that. <laughs> you know, it works on Jacob, it'll work on Joseph. Uh, this, is, this is the second time this week you've said I'm not your favourite version of something that refers to me. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> oh god. Um, but I'm so sorry. No, um, you know, I don't even remember where I was now. I'm, I'm meant so, to be <laughs> I'm so sorry, times two. Yeah, um, no, angels. A hundred. Angels creating. Uh, time Lords creating angels. If the division was a Time Lord agency, it would actually make sense if the Time Lords created the angels for angels to be in it. But, and it would, like, provide. You don't have to confirm it, but, you know, you can maybe hint at it somewhat. Uh, but then it just feels weird and odd with what they're doing the division is everyone and everywhere i mean i prefer the idea of the division being this secret enclave of time lords that the master couldn't quite get when he destroyed gallifrey for the second time which was still feels completely superfluous so far i don't Indeed. How, what did that do oh, never mind uh, i guess it was like so you can be in the ruins of gallifrey but it didn't feel necessary no. uh, but yeah no the doctor's an angel now uh, and then you've got Obviously, your the credit song, the credit song, Freya. Yeah, what happened? <laughs> they cut the drums. Yeah, it, it basically. I was seeing theories that it's just the the bit that represents the heartbeat of a time lord has been cut out of the theme at the end. And I it's loved just, it. Mm. Oh, every time anything tweaks a theme that I really love and like, you're expecting something, and then suddenly it's not. The one good moment of like Magician's Apprentice. Oh, the the rock guitar. Oh wait, no, 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 no that wasn't Magician's Apprentice. He did that. Um, before, he, uh, the before the flood. No, because I was thinking of the the tank scene, which also was a great scene. No, he was fair. he was actually playing his version of the Doctor Who theme. But he did on that. the tank before he played Pretty Woman. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he came in doing it. Yeah. But except it wasn't very recognisable because yeah. it was like really going. But for no, it. <laughs> what I actually meant was the before the flood uh, fact where you have the opening scene replaced by Capaldi on the guitar after um, he does the Beethoven's fifth bit. That was fantastic, yeah, and good. I love those little theme alterations you can do sometimes because mm. it's playing around with these repetitive things in a medium that the audience gets accustomed to, and then you just say, "But what about?" No. <laughs> it, it's very good, especially when it's used for like a fairly sad effect. The mm. other example I could think of, again, 
Gallifrey times. <laughs> um, at the end of the Time War 4 box set. Um, Glad to be specifically trying to avoid spoilers for this. Yeah, uh, it's not spoilers. It's just like at the end of it, the theme goes slow. Ooh. That, that's all they do. Also, <laughs> the, the, the... Earthshock. Please don't. No, 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 Adric on my podcast. Thank you. <laughs> You're the one who said Adric. Yeah. Oh, oh gosh, yeah, I am. That's really annoying. But but yeah, the, like making the theme sort of either slower or taking something out of it or doing something that just makes it feel a little bit disjointed, like mm-hmm. in a good way. Mm. It's it's just wonderful. All right. But it. it should still be the theme because I don't <laughs> like what they did with Rosa, where they just replaced it with another song. Oh, oh yeah. I don't remember them doing that, but yeah, I that's do, fair. Yeah. Oh, and what well, actually, I think one good example of that working was Vincent and the Doctor. I think for me, as long as the thing's like in the opening one. credits, I don't really mind. The closing credits don't matter as much to me. Mm-hmm. All no, right, I mean, we I do like need to. Rosa one. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll disagree with you just because I think it's a bang and yeah. chew. But... All right, uh, we do have, of course, uh, the important things of uh, quickly um, because. The episode has a mid-credit scene. We're going to do the podcast questions, and then we're going to do the mid-credits next time things because that feels more appropriate. So let's oh, just do that. let's do some quick podcast questions. Uh, uh, so question one: Is there too much setup to be paid off? Probably. Yes. But then we Probably. won't know until I was going to say. Yeah, I don't want to prejudge until I've seen it. I mean, that's what yeah. I've been saying this whole time. Like, I'm not going to comment on like the setup and things that are being so I, I'll comment on them like individually but I'm not going to comment on how they're going to pan out except to theorise because you don't know until then. This is like, true, you up. don't know but I'm given I mean I felt from episode one this was going to be the case and the red flags have not yet kind of ceased for me. Say, I'm beginning to get nervous that he's going to run out of time. Yeah, and I feel Especially like because episodes were cut too. And more importantly, not because episodes were cut, because I don't think he'd really address that and he'd have other writers write them and not put any main plot stuff in there. Uh, because of what happened to Ascension of the Cybermen The Timeless Child, where all the exposition was not just shoehorned into one episode, but shoehorned into one episode in the most boring way possible. Uh, you know. Did the Doctor push the master over? That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Uh, let's move on to a more light-hearted question. How long would you have to be stranded in 1901 before you yeet yourself into the timeless void? No, <laughs> I'd be going shopping. There's no shopping. There are no, no people shops. there. There's no people there. You're just alone. I'd be raiding the wardrobes. I want the clothes. They're so cool. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> I, I, oh, Victorian and Edwardian outfits. I just love. I, I can't wait for Yaz's outfit next time. I don't even remember what her outfit looks like, which is great. It, uh, no, I've seen pictures. It's the uh, Edwardian walking skirt. And uh, it looks like they're exciting. in some kind of tomb thing, I guess. Uh, they almost look like they're doing archaeology things. <laughs> nice. Ollie, uh... How long in oh. 1901 before throwing yourself to the void? I don't know. I mean, it doesn't sound like a fun time to live in, to be honest. Especially if there's just nobody there. I don't know if I'd throw myself into the void. I might want to get myself um, touched by an angel twice. Because I feel like, you know, I mean, I guess that's turning me to stone, but at least that's instant and probably yeah. painless. Throw myself into the void, I'd asphyxiate. That's not a good way to go. The, yeah, but it's a cool way really to go. This is really morbid. I was just like, I want to prance in the outfits, and I, can, <laughs> I guess I can farm. Yeah, that's <laughs> I'll fair. I'll be fine, I'll just thrive. Uh, <laughs> like, which way could kill me faster? Does this episode count as base under siege, and is it a good example? The answer is, in my opinion, yes, the A-plot is base under siege. 
Like, yeah. that is just based on the yes. siege. Because they are in a place, there are enemies surrounding it, they cannot get out, they are working on figuring out the solution to the problem while stuck in the place. Complete base under siege. Uh, sort of. Because it's kind of got a and dodgy that... solution where there's just a tunnel out the back. I, <laughs> I wish it's that air makes though. it like answers the bit of the question is it a good example no but it technically is yeah but i think i think at first it seemed like too easy and a way out but then they weren't able to escape so i don't mm. think that matters actually i love the tunnel bit i didn't talk about this earlier but that oh, i was so shocked when mm. all of their hands started coming out of the walls <laughs> oh, that, was, so that was amazing yeah. i love scenes like that in enclosed spaces and I've, things chasing you like that really, really yeah. do frighten me. So it reminded me of that Cyberman scene where they're all in the in oh, along yeah. the corridor and slowly start waking up. Oh that yeah, that was, was good. And it, it was reminiscent of that. And it because of that, it reminds me of like a childhood scene that always freaked me out. So yeah, I, yeah, I loved it. The angel hands um, remind me of the hand mines in The Magician's Apprentice, which, <laughs> ter- yeah. which is another terrifying thing. That is, that is actually hands are creepy. And at the end of the tunnel where the angel didn't chase the doctor out. Oh, yes. Yeah. I noticed the doctor blinked there and nothing happened. There exactly. was shocks. And then I was like, oh, it makes sense now. When the angels don't do what they are fundamentally designed to do. That was terrifying. Do, yeah. You wonder what on earth could be worse yes. than yeah. an angel. Yeah. And then you get it. Yeah. I really liked that the doctor lost because the doctor always wins. Oh, no, they don't. Just... no, they don't. No, they don't. The doctor usually wins. I would say most of the time. The majority yes. of the time. Not always. But I like the, the doctor. I'm with you. I like the doctor to lose occasionally. Yeah. In, and that is, in this case, the, the doctor did not exactly lose because at least Claire gets off free. And also it's a cliffhanger leading to another episode where the doctor will upend the defeat. Oh, oh undoubtedly. Yeah. She probably isn't even going to stay a Weeping Angel, it's probably just a transportation mechanism which will then be reversed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, but, you know... Uh, for that shot, though. Yeah, it was a good <laughs> shot. It um, was worth it. My friend, my also, friend I was I've... messaging was saying that uh, he hopes that Joe Martin's doctor comes and saves her and is, like, the main in that episode. That would be I really cool. Happen, but I hope I it happens. I want her back so bad. Well, I know she's going to come back. But also, I want yeah. her back now. Yeah, right? that's fair. <laughs> I agree so with that. Good. I will note, I liked, the tunnel scene was fantastic. I feel like they could have established a tunnel when the Doctor looked at the floor plans at the start of the episode by showing us a picture of the floor plans slightly zoomed in towards where the tunnel is. Because just from looking at the, that tunnel, you wouldn't be able to realise that it was exact. like looking at a floor plan's you probably wouldn't process, unless you're Joseph B, exactly what the tunnel would be useful, because you're just looking at this um, above area map. It doesn't look like much, but it would establish the tunnel in advance and show you, as the Doctor figured it out, that you could figure it out. Uh, and having a way out, you know, a lot of bases well, under I just like the exposition about it being a secret yeah. designation tunnel. Yeah, <laughs> so I agree. I, I but no, you it. don't have to change anything later. No, you just show an image no. of the just one tiny shot of a close-up. No, that would have been better. And I think then all you. The best solutions are like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like in like that's that's one reason I love um, uh, the Big Bang resolution. Oh, I hate is, the Big Bang resolution. It's, it's set up by the exploding TARDIS exploding at every point in time at once, and also. The Pandorica can like revive things that have been removed from existence. So it just combines two pre-established facts compared to something like uh, 
Last of the Time Lords, where they just sort of made something up at the end. They did Last of the Time Lords used pre-established <laughs> facts as well. The Time Lords are naturally psychic, and the Master had their satellites, which he connected with the psychic but potential of every person on the Earth. And the Doctor when, turned that against them. But since when does that make give you the ability to fly and resistance <laughs> to laser screwdriver and turn young again? Psychic Time Lord powers just <laughs> amplified by all of humanity. It makes sense. It makes it made more. S- I preferred it to the Big Bang resolution. So Jesus, ten, my beloved. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I I agree that the CGI there is not great. I uh, can't help but laugh but, every time because the scene before that, I'm like leading up to it, I'm just like on the verge of tears because it's just so emotional. And then Jesus, ten happens. <laughs> I genuinely, but I genuinely, and then I'm crying again immediately yeah, afterwards. But I but, don't yeah. mind some of the Namia elements of that scene I, I do. because it's a powerful, moving thing. They've established why it works it is using the master's what, own why, plan against him why are we him. talking about this when we... <laughs> yeah right, we've got an uh, we've got uh, alright then um, let's just go in Belvinda mid-credit scene because now we're past the credits of the podcast questions uh, Belvinda uh, you've, you've missed one of the podcast questions well that was the point mid-credits <laughs> Mid-credits. We are moving on. Mid-credits. <laughs> we'll have more credits after. Yes. Belvinda, go. Um, it was just it was just Vinda anyway. He just showed up and then Bell was like, oh, I'm in danger. Did really anything happen in that scene? And they were cute. That's what happened. Was, they were I cute. love them. Also, just a bit more, like, the fact that they actually could see each other a little bit. Mm. It, like, even, in, even yeah. if it's not in a, like, physical way, they're just... It, it sort of... You don't feel like they're still lost and far apart from each other. You feel like they're getting closer together. And even I'm though they didn't even have... You say that, and I agree. But after the fact that they couldn't get any coordinates through, there is literally... Uh, like, Vindu is on Bell's trail, yes. But Vindu has no idea where to go next. But I mean, she said he she knows like that he's looking for a Lupari transponder. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, fair. All right, no, you're right. Also, there are probably only a few logical ways to go off that path, especially when everything is so ravaged. Because mm. um, Ravaged like, by like, the ravagers? Yeah, so, like, it was established that the, um, the guy... The, the in-betweeners guy. <laughs> I, I can't remember his name. I'm just going to call him the in-betweeners guy. Um... We established that like he was saying that people were all coming to that planet. So there's mm. probably only a few logical mm. planets that mm. could be next. So it feels like they're getting closer to a reunion, which I don't know whether I want it to be tragic or not, because <laughs> part of me is like, that is amazing and I love the angst, but also I love them. And I want we them are really them. running low well, on time. I did expect and probably would have preferred at the end of her recording, I thought she was going to be attacked at the end. Which you know, it, it just running out of time. Well, no, no. I, did it run out? I thought she was going in because she was about to be attacked. No, or... no. The recording just ran out of power. Oh, that's disappointing. Exactly. <laughs> um, but because we are really, really running out of time, we, we are going have to... to establish what's attacking her. Though. We are going to be moving on to one last thing, which is the return of Kate Stewart. Yes. Uh, and we'll be mentioning this more next week's so, podcast. Don't you dare cut me off there, because I'm so excited. Like, the most excited. It's just, like, the best thing that ever happened to me. I'm getting her back. I'm My really, girl, she's there. I really hope to see Osgood as well. I love Osgood. Yes. Yes, I want yes, Osgood. Yes, please that give me Osgood. I, I really want to see Osgood again. Honestly, I, mean, I love Kate Stewart more than I love myself, and to see her back just makes my heart sing. Yeah, I do not know if they will be bringing Osgood back. I don't know if they're bringing back both of them. Well, um, Osgood has... Had, there is precedent for it, because the mm. uh, the apps that had Weeping Angels in, by the app game, the interactive one, mm. um, she was, like, the lead on that. Oh, much. yeah, true, true. And uh, there was precedent for Kate with the... Um, 
time fracture things. Yeah. So I'm hoping that Osgood will be back. Yeah. If, we, if only in like a cameo. Yeah. Uh, hopefully yes, as well. Um, <laughs> I'm sure she will And, and I want to see both of them. That we are going to say uh, what is happening on the next, it says next week, but for the episode we're watching later today, but I guess it's for the next <laughs> yeah, podcast. Well, the, yeah, the next podcast will be the anniversary podcast, so we're doing the Five-ish Doctors and Day of the Doctor. Which and Night of, oh, and of the Doctor. And Night of the Doctor, yeah. Which one? Day of the Doctor? Yeah. Oh, no, I disagree. <laughs> valid, valid, bad. Save Leave it for next it week. <laughs> I'm going to save it for next week because I have so many thoughts on this episode. Oh, yeah, God. Our next Flux podcast will obviously be on Survivors of the Flux and I will be absolutely losing my mind over Kate Stewart. And, she uh, really will. <laughs> yep, absolutely. You should have seen my reaction. Oh, oh, I was not okay for like a good few minutes. <laughs> but on that, you can... Uh, it's my breakdown next week. Yeah, well, listen to it. Next and week, we will say goodbye and bye. Bye. Purple Radio Podcasts. Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.